Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in, and um, uh, welcome to another podcast. We are so blessed to be able to have the freedoms that we do in this country. We just recently celebrated them, and we should celebrate them every day because we cannot any longer take our freedoms for granted. Uh, John Haller is our guest today. The title, I'm quoting him for today's title of the podcast, What Did You Think the End Times we're going to look like. We are definitely in the last days. We're going to talk about that. We'll get to the, the bad news. After we get to the good news, we are going to talk about uh, eventually uh, historic fertility rates uh, worldwide. We're going to talk about why there's such a pilot shortage with all the major airlines. Also talking about psychological warfare in this nation and uh, more corporations jumping on the LGBTQ bandwagon and paying their employees to kill their babies in abortions rather than uh, offering maternity leave. That's a very telling sign of our times. We're going to be talking about agriculture as well. It's a difficult situation, as many of you understand, and the cost of production skyrocketing and what's happening over in Europe that we don't hear about their energy and production costs. But first, I want to mention um, I will be in Oshkosh next Thursday night, a week from this Thursday, speaking at Calvary Sunrise Church on the last 100 years in America. And where we go from here as far as salt and light and religious freedom in our culture. Uh, we'll talk about the timeline of uh, the decline of morality in the nation. But we will be there. It's free, free event. Calvary Sunrise Church in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And that's next Thursday night, July 14, 6.30 p.m. One more thing I want to thank. Harbinger's Daily. Uh, what a blessing they have been to us uh, in this ministry. They just listed Stand Up for the Truth as one of their trusted podcasts that they are recommending. And I'm looking at this list here, and it's really humbling, guys. I don't even know. I, they don't really know why I shouldn't be in, included here, but it's it's fascinating. Jack Hibbs, um, Sissy Graham Lynch, Amir Sarfati, Tony Perkins with Family Research Council, Jan Markell, uh, Jeff Christensen, Barry Stagner, Ann Graham Lotz, Ken Ham, J.D. Farag, uh, J.B. Hickson, um, and it goes on. But we are now on the recommended or trusted podcasts at Harbinger's Daily. So with that good news, we've got a couple other good news stories before we get into all the things that we need to be aware of, I think, as Christians. Let's bring in John Haller, a lawyer, elder, teacher, pastor. His prophecy updates are amazing because of his extensive research and knowledge of this. And he, as you know, he's also been a trial lawyer for almost 40 years. He's with Fellowship Bible Chapel in Ohio, John Heller, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. It's good to be back, David. I hope we can uh, have enough stuff to talk about uh, <laughs> to get through the show today. You and I jokingly, when we talk about preparing for a podcast, we could really do, and I, I'm guessing, John, I'm trying to be on the conservative end, maybe three hours. We could do a three-hour podcast, and that's probably on the conservative end. But let's get to as many things as we can do, in, uh, starting with the good news first. We have been talking about the historic overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, I've got a pastor I want to quote here. That's Matt Truella, Missionaries to the Preborn, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He says, What is despicable about Roe v. Wade is that all the governments of men obeyed the Supreme Court for 49 years while the preborn were savagely butchered. So that's an interesting take. In other words, we weren't effective as a church or as Republicans or as conservatives or as, as pro-life individuals in America. We weren't effective. Well, it took us a while. So just your, your thought on that. Well, look, it, it, it was a good decision. Yes. Um, but the only thing that it did was it really returned it to the states. Now, it, it was interesting uh, Sunday, and I think I might have mentioned it in my update on Sunday. Uh, of course, the left has been melting down, and that includes the New York Times and that type of thing. But I, I want to give the New York Times credit because they did post a article, uh, an op-ed uh, one day last week, which said, you know, look, somebody can make the case that the protection to life and life 
is part of due process and therefore we shouldn't have abortion at all. So I, I want to give them credit for at least publishing that because I think that's part of this debate that's going to happen when it goes back to the state. So mm. I don't know how we get the culture, the courts, the legal system to recognize that particular fact, which is what I really believe that the fundamental right to life is enshrined in the con is placed in the constitution. And we've been messing around with it ever since. Mm. Um, you know, so and, and the science has changed on this. So it's good. What the Supreme Court did back in Roe <clears throat> versus Wade and then followed up with in the Casey case was they created this thing called substantive due process. And that's come in that sort of drags in, allows the court to do whatever they want to create these rights. So that's what led to the Obergefell decision that allowed same sex marriage. It's not in the Constitution. Right. Um, you know, and I remember you mentioned one of your uh, trust the thing from Harbinger's Daily. I remember I was having breakfast with uh, Jack Hibbs the morning after the Proposition 8 uh, that had passed, you know, voted f by the majority of Californians wow. to, you know, to recognize uh, marriage between man and woman. Mm -hmm. I actually had breakfast with him the morning after that decision came down. We were kind of lamenting wow. that that must have been, goodness, about 2010 or so. So, um, this has been a long, slow march downward. I mean, when Obergefell came out in 2015, you know, one of the uh, dissents, I think it was Scalia or Alito or Thomas, they had mentioned that, like, what's going to happen? And, you know, in the majority say, oh, nothing's going to happen. Well, what's happened is what, look at what we have now. Yeah. We have now where we have all this transgender stuff being pushed. We have corporations that are pushing it. I mean, I'm getting emails. I'm still working part-time. I get emails from other attorneys with their pronouns on them and that type of thing. So Lovely. it's just been this cascade downward. Now, Roe gives us a, a, people a chance to kind of come back. But what's happened in response to that has been, I, I can only say that the, the uh unleashing of dark spiritual forces. Mm. Uh, I would highly recommend people go and watch Tucker Carlson's monologues last Monday and Tuesday. You can find them on the internet. What was the where topic? He talked about this and, and he talked about what's happening with Roe versus Wade and the reaction of corporate America. Okay. It's sort of like, well, we're going to pay you to kill your kids. Yes. So Dick Sporting Goods his offering up to $4,000 to women that work for Dick's Sporting Goods that want to go have an abortion. Now, the interesting thing is, and I think the question that somebody should ask Dick's and Breitbart and others have tried to ask Dick's and say, hey, are you doing it to help people raise children? Are you giving them $4,000? <laughs> because the attitude of corporate America now seems, and Kroger, which is you know a big grocery store chain here locally, and others, they're all putting in this, um, these incentives for people to get an abortion, but not to raise children. Exactly. And that's very telling. John, can I just go through briefly? I want to go through the part of the, I mean, it's over three dozen now and it's growing, but I just want, for those who have never heard this news, um, we're talking about companies like Amazon, JP Morgan, uh, Chase and, um, Airbnb, Bank of America, Buzzfeed, Dick Sporting Goods, Disney, DoorDash. Expedia, Google, um, Johnson & Johnson, Levi Strauss, Lyft, uh, Meta, which is Facebook, Microsoft, Netflix, Nike, Nordstrom, PayPal, uh, Reddit, Starbucks, Uber, Warner Bros., Wells Fargo, Yelp, and Zillow. That, this is a partial list. I skipped a lot of them. But these are corporations that have jumped on this bandwagon. So we understand, John, the worldview of the left and the corporate world and the media and the government, we understand the worldview. They do not have a biblical worldview, so they think they are helping. Um, I think I think they're deceived. Um, John, your thoughts? Yeah, but look, and, and we'll talk about this after we talk about a few more Supreme Court decisions. Sure. Not having babies mm -hmm. is destroying culture. It's destroying the economics of culture, and it's happening all over the world all at the same time. And it's changing the world. So we can talk about that when we get to the demographics. So yes. look, the, but it does appear that what this, the corporations are doing is they are deciding that, listen, 
is, is Tucker Carlson so eloquently stated last week, and I want to give him credit for that. I think it was on his Tuesday night monologue. What's going on here? And he said, it's like we want you to be a childless drone so you can work more because, you know, children might distract you. Mm. And and that's really the message that's coming across. Drew Hernandez, who's a Internet uh, journalist, um, I think he works with uh, Charlie Kirk's organization, Turning Point USA. He was out at the Supreme Court arguing with someone who's an abortion supporter. Of course, he's pro-life. And he said to the guy, the guy got in his face because he didn't like the comment. And Drew says, I I guess you like killing babies. And the guy, his voice changes. I saw that. And yep. it gets very low and guttural. And it goes, and I'll leave out the F word. I love killing babies. Yeah, it was demonic. Yeah, it, it it was. And and so what we've seen is we've seen this unleashing. And listen, we know that we fight not against you know, rulers and that type of thing. But it's a, it's a spiritual battle ultimately. Yeah. It's not against flesh and blood, but they're definitely demonic spirits that are pushing this. I mean, go back to the old Testament and Molech, they were sacrificing their children. They, they, they were being burned on this altar and this idol. And that is one of the most, and then when the babies were screaming, they were just beating the drums louder. So they couldn't hear the, the babies screaming. It it is a, a demonic movement that some, John, even in the church, have fallen for under the guise of giving women their, quote, reproductive rights. Well, if you're going to reproduce, that means you're going to have children. Am I misunderstanding the word reproduction? Well, you know, uh, be fruitful and multiply was one of the first commands in Genesis. <laughs> <Yes>. So, <laughs> um, and, it, and, it, and they're, they're taking that away, and it's having a huge impact. Uh, against that. So moving on to, so, but Justice Thomas, by the way, did a good job in his concurring opinion where he said, maybe we need to revisit the substantive due process thing. And that's just driving the left crazy. I (laughs) mean, Hillary Clinton comes out and says, oh, you know, he was always a man driven by anger and grievance. Hillary Clinton saying that for crying out loud. I went to law school with him. That's a pretty racist statement about Justice Thomas. uh, And if, if you had said that he's an angry man, if you, if, I said that about <laughs> the guy who's heading up the January 6th commission. Uh, if I say he's an angry man, you know, you're a racist, exactly. you're, you know, and it goes, it's just, it's very hard to have a conversation with uh, someone. And it's interesting to me. I'll just say this. Uh, I, I had to have a colonoscopy a couple of weeks ago and my wife was mentioning to the receptionist there, I think, while I was having my colonoscopy, she brought up the end times and some of the things that are going on. And the lady was like, that stuff's happening. I don't, I'm not aware that that's happening. Are you, are you sure that's happening? Wow. You know, it's mm-hmm. like people are totally clueless. It's almost like they're drug. So we'll approve. We have all this push. And believe me, I work in business. There's this huge push in the, push in the law to bring in pot. And cannabis, because, you know, as things are really bad, we got to keep the people a little bit medicated so Doped they don't up. really realize yeah. how bad it is. Yeah, well, let's keep on the so good anyway, news, so other, uh, The Supreme Court. So, uh, but Kirk, there were some other go good ahead. Supreme Court cases. There was the main case on school funding, which said if the state's going to give uh, private schools funding, they can't dis- they can't discriminate against Christians. Um, and of course, the left, the three liberal justices who opposed this decision they say oh you know this is they were imposing state religion and all this nonsense and it's not imposing <laughs> state religion people need to go back and look at how that whole thing it was a whole big made-up thing just like substantive due process for uh roe it actually started before the roe case a little bit with some contraception cases and interracial marriage cases and so they they just sort of made it up. Now that's not to say you know somebody said well Justice Thomas is a hypocrite because well he's married to a white woman and if he wants to look at substantive due process that will overturn the Loving versus Virginia case which allowed uh, which overruled or declared unconstitutional the Virginia law on same sex on interracial marriage. But if it goes back to Virginia in this thin age, nobody's going to enact a law. Uh, on interracial marriage. I don't care what the left says. There's nobody on the right that wants to do that. That's a lot of us thought that that was nonsense anyway. So main case was good. Yep. Uh, the other one, well, the football coach who was praying, this guy fought this for seven years. He would, yes. he would meet at the 50 yard line after the game. 
Um, well, he started voluntarily and, by and, himself. Right. And, and then, then his, people joined yeah, him. And he players. didn't make it. Yeah, he did not make it a requirement. Like, no? if you don't do this, you're not going to be the quarterback or something like this. Or I'm going to put you on the line, you know, where you're you're going to get beat up or anything like that. You know, in this case, this has been going on long. I mean, I don't remember how many years ago it was. It's I've got to guess it's 20 years that a local football coach, Dave Dobbenmeyer, uh, Coach Dave, you may have yep. heard of him. We've had him on. Speaks a lot of conferences. He <clears throat> he got fired for doing the same thing. And so now, so look, give Dave credit. He launched it into a ministry. Yes, he did. And a, you know, sort of an activism. And <laughs> He's he got did a, podcast, a great thing yeah. with it. But this coach fought it for seven years. And it's like, does he get his job back? Does he get back pay for all the stuff the, for ruining his career? Of course not. And the, the thing is, people on the left, they just don't care about that. Mm-mm. So that was good. And then the final Supreme Court case that we should talk the about. EPA. Is the EPA... Uh, they came in and they just, under the Obama administration, they just started making all these rules. And the result of those rules was essentially one of them was shutting down. And I know this because I worked on some of these, shutting down the big coal burning power plants all over the country. Now, that has a big impact today because we don't have those coal burning power plants. Isn't that interesting? Now we are in a huge supply <clears throat> crisis on natural gas and oil, which are being used. We don't, and we don't have the ability anywhere. Well, maybe there are a few places on earth to, to generate enough solar power to power everything all the way along. Because if you do the solar power, you know, most places in the world get dark at night. So when it's dark at night, there's no solar power being generated. Well, what are you going to do for the power demands during exactly. that period of time? Exactly. Well, we'll just, you just store it in batteries. Oh, well, where do we get the batteries? Well, those are rare earth minerals. Well, you can't mine those because that will damage the environment. And guess who's sort of cornered the market It really cornered the market on lithium and some of the other things that are needed to make those batteries is China. And they're not going to give it up. So now China's using that to apply political pressure. So there's this cascading effect. But it was a six to three ruling and it it was really a good thing. Yep. They were uh, regulating greenhouse gas emissions that supposedly cause climate change. So the court sided with conservative states and fossil fuel companies. So that was very good news. But you need to understand too that that case has huge, far ranging, far reaching implications for other government overreach on regulations, things like the Department of Education. So here's what the, the I call it the Obama administration. I think it's clear we know who's really running the show there. Yep. But they, so they want to promote this transgender thing. So they've now come out with rules. They did this on the anniversary of the 50th anniversary of Title IX, which sort of elevated women's sports in college. And they, they're putting in these rules that if you, if you don't do the transgender thing, the, you know, boys who claim to be girls going into girls' bathrooms and locker rooms and that thing, if you don't do that, we're cutting off your school lunch money. So in other words, we're going to starve poor kids yep. to further this agenda. And again, I, I can only conclude that such thinking is hugely demonic and it's it origin. Is. But that EPA case is going to be able to be used in the future until the composition of the court changes that it that case can be used to argue, listen, it's not just the EPA overreaching, it's the Department of Education, it's the Department of Homeland Security. So this is a this is a very good case, uh, I think, as it as it develops, but it's going to take time. And it's not going to change things overnight. And right now we're in the midst of a, we're in the midst of a power crisis. This is worldwide. To understand how bad this is, we'll talk about Europe for just a second. I know I'm going down a rabbit trail. Actually, we've got 30, 30 seconds John. about it. 30 seconds. Okay. The cost of electricity in Europe, forward looking, mm-hmm. has risen five times what it was a year ago. And it, Bumped up a little bit in February, but it was already going off the charts. It bumped up a little bit when the war in Ukraine started. So it's not just the war in Ukraine. We have a supply problem because of all this green stuff. 
All right, we've got to take our first break with John Haller. Um, we've got so much more to talk about. We will get to the important discussion on historic fertility rates worldwide and why we're having less children. We know the abortion movement has been successful, but this popula- population control idea that the globalists want to uh, push, it seems to be effective. Anyway, we all talk about Israel as well, Russia, Ukraine, and why is there an airline pilot shortage? So much more coming up next on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest is John Haller, and uh, John, we were briefly talking about, uh, we mentioned the transgender part of the LGBTQ++++. That means whatever they want to add to it later on, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be ongoing um, they are in the government. Uh, you've got you sent me something in an email about our government in the midst of a, a World War III, not concerned about the safety of the nation, but they are concerned about pushing this agenda. There are apparently more than twenty thousand employees at the U.S. government choosing to include their pronoun preferences in email profiles. Uh, what can you tell us about that before we move on? Well, you know, it's just like I said, I, even in my business, I'm seeing this on some people. They're using their pronouns in regard to, um, you know, they, you get people saying, I'm they refer to me as they. It's, yeah. it's one person. You know, how do you, it's just, it's changing language. It's very confusing. And they're, they're just pushing this on kids mm-hmm. down to a very low level. I don't think there's any question, but that you can call this grooming of children mm-hmm. uh, of at this stage. And so now the house has uh, put out a resolution. It's been introduced had about 90 sponsors, including the usual suspects on the left, you know, AOC and, uh, some of the Muslim members of Congress are saying we got to have this transgender bill of rights. Now that's a, it's a resolution now. It's not law, but it also is indicative of where they're going to go with rulemaking and that type of thing. And they would like to enact this into a statute. And that's a lot of people so, in our government. Do you think a lot of them are just going along to save their jobs? I think that uh, the reality is that a lot of people see no problem with this. Hmm. Wow. Um, I mean, we, we live in a very divided world and culture right now. And I, I don't know it, it, how these midterm elections go will be indicative. I would recommend Molly Hemingway's article, though, before you get too excited about that at the uh, Federalist. Mm-hmm. I think she's editor in chief there now. Yep. And she did a great article a week or two ago about how Biden has weaponized or activated 600 federal agencies to help in the election, they have no, this is, these are, these are state rules. This is the, the federal government has no business doing this, Yeah, but it's clear that they're trying to interfere in the election at a, at an epic level because they know that the polling looks very, very bad for Democrats right now. Uh, it could be a historic hundred seat pickup for the, for the Republicans so you got to get the right Republicans in. But my fear has long been is that they're going to interfere in the election in some way. They're going to put rules in. They're going to either make it incredibly easy for voter fraud or they're going to put restrictions on people like, let's say, well, it just might be happened that we might have another pandemic in the fall hmm. and you can't come and vote if you haven't got the shot. So if you don't have the shot, you can't vote. And who's more likely in today's culture to be people who have not gotten the shot? Conservatives. Conservatives. Yeah. And so that this is a way to limit their impact. And, you know, if you change things in the election, like 10% from the other side, mm. you, you suppress that vote, you've, you've won the election because of the way we're divided at 50-50. Even if you suppress 5% um, of the total vote. So I think this is going to, is going to happen. Now, let me, let me move on. We, I want to talk to you about this demographic thing because I think this is uh, relatively important. I have been following a guy now here for a while. His name is Peter Zahn. Zahn, Z-E-I-H-A-N. Uh, look, I don't know if he's a Christian. Um, you know, he's a, a geopolitical guy and he's, um, um, he's 
looked at the demographics that are going on in the world. And I've talked a lot about this over the last couple of years because we, a lot of people like, well, how does this world kind of come together with the wars and that type of thing and invasions that we see in Bible prophecy? And, and how do, how, how much further into the future is it going to be before these things happen? Now, I happen to believe that things are accelerating and converging at a very fast pace so that these things are more likely to happen sooner rather than later. One of the reasons for this, uh, so if we always talk about Ezekiel 37 or 30, yeah, 37, 38, 39 about this coming invasion from the north against Israel. You know, Persia's involved, you know, the Gog, Magog, and there's a lot of dispute is Gog, Magog, is that Russia? Or is it Turkey or that type of thing? But what you need to understand is the graph, the, the demographic impact on this. So what has happened? Let's use China as an example. When you look at the demographic, you can go to Peter Zeon's Z-E-I-H-A-N Geo now, I think is his website. And he's got a bunch of charts there. And what's happened is the demographic profile of a lot of countries has now become a mushroom. It used to be the classic bell curve, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of kids at the bottom and then it would narrow down to the top. Now you have this mushroom, this bulge. So there's fewer children. Well, why is there fewer children? Well, people are moving into cities. They live in smaller places. They don't want to have children because they don't have a lot of room. They're not in the suburbs. This is in the urbanization of the world is a big deal. So they have fewer kids and then you have abortion. I mean, with 65 million people mm-hmm. have not been born in the United States alone. Uh, it's half a billion worldwide. So in China, they put in a one child policy. They were even doing abortions at the, up at the time of birth. They, they essentially were killing kids coming out mm-hmm. because they were so intent on this one child policy. Well, the, impact of the one child policy was some people tried to get around it, but the government's coming down on people like a ton of bricks. So what they did was they decided not to even have children. So we're not even going to go through the trauma of the abortion thing. We're just not going to have children. And so if you look at this chart, I think I sent you a chart of uh, Peter's on and the, um, the decline in the demographics of Russia, the fertility rates in Russia and China, you'll see that China dropped between 1970 and 1980. They like cratered yep. in their fertility rates. And they've got, they've continued to decline, even though they've tried to put in policies allowing two, three children. Because even. Well, that's more recent though, right? The change in their policies. Yeah, they, they just put that in in last year. They're yeah. trying to right the ship. But listen, once you go into the decline like this, it, you don't come back from this. Now, the United States is with immigration and, and other things has been kind of able to hang in there. But the other country that has had a demographic collapse is Russia. Russia, when the Soviet Union collapsed, they had 300 million people. Today, Russia has 144 million. So believe me, I've studied Putin a lot. So and regardless of whether he had any justification for going into Ukraine or not, or he was provoked or anything, this is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is he's been saying for years he's going to do this. And he knows that his time is short. You know, it's sort of like that verse in Bible prophecy says that the devil goes forth knowing that it's with great fury, with indignation, wrath, because he knows his time is short. He's got one shot at this. Mm. Putin had one shot at this Ukraine thing because he's declining in population. And in, in 10 years, Russia won't be able to field an army. I don't care what anybody else says. This is a fact. China is in decline as well. The Chinese policy, in fact, China is just revising its census figures. And in their census figures, they are coming out now. You'll see this leak out bit by bit. You have to pay close attention, though. They are saying our population declined. We we overcounted our population by 100 million. <laughs> That's like one third of the population in the United States. Oh, we made a little we made a rounding error. We, we missed it. We counted 100 million, 2 million people. And what they don't tell you is. 
because of the one-child policy, they now have an excess of somewhere, I believe, the numbers they will give you are less. It's around 100 million males excess in China right now that do not have the hope of having a wife. Hmm. Wow. This is also true in India where sex selection, abortions, and that type of thing favoring males has resulted in a very similar number. And so we're on the cusp of two nations in the east of, to the east of Israel that will have a 200 million man excess, male excess of people. Now, there is, and this is a controversial thing, so I'm not saying I'm wedded to this because I know people look at this, but in the trumpet judgments, it talks about a 200 million army coming from the east. And the way that this is, so I'm just saying is that the scenario in scripture, some people say, oh, it's a demonic army. It's not even going to be China, you know, all this stuff. I don't know. I'm just saying is right now we're in this demographic collapse mm -hmm. that's going to make it more likely for people to do things that they would not have done. And that includes China. That includes Russia. That includes Iran. And we'll talk about that in a, a little bit towards the end about the things going on between Israel and Iran. But I'm telling you, the Chinese fertility rate collapse is the, was the fastest in human history until recently. Yeah, I see and that. This was reported in mm -hmm. the Tehran Times and other Iranian newspapers because they've been talking about it because their, their demographic collapse is now the fastest in human history. The, the way their fertility rate has changed. And this, the mullahs in Iran know this. They want to go after Israel. It's clear that they want to go after Israel. But now they only have a certain limited window in which to do that because of the demographic collapse. I think it's something that is it's shaping the world. Uh, and, you know, if the Lord tarries, this world's going to look very differently in 30 or 40 years. So now, I don't think it's going to last that long. But if it does, it's going to be epic. And the other countries, but one of the countries that's going to rise in this, all the, the George Friedman, Peter's on and other people, and this fits into Bible prophecy as to one of the countries that's rising demographically, they're having some economic problems right now, is a country called Turkey. And Turkey is a very major player in Bible prophecy as we, as I understand these prophecies about wars in the end time. So this is, this is a big deal. So we have the, the, we have the demographics, so but then we have the war. Yeah. And the food problem. Do you want to talk about that? Now well, well briefly, John, I just want to clarify, we, we need to talk about the U.S. briefly. If I'm reading this right, if I'm looking at this chart right, um, since about 1980, the U.S. has been under um, under two uh, children uh, per family. Is that am I reading this right? Since yeah, under, but we make it up by but we make it up because we have the highest rates of immigration in the world. That's how we get by. Okay. Okay. Because it's been declining. But, but yeah. that brings its own. That brings its own issues. Yes, it does, and I think we because should... you bring in people who may <laughs> not share your cultural values. Yeah. So that's yeah an interesting question. But so let's look at the food thing now. Mm -hmm. I told you about the the cost of electricity in Europe going up from like fifty. The unit that they measure is fifty euros. To 250 euros for like forward looking. That's a five fold increase in just the last year. And most of that occurred before Russia invaded Ukraine. It's only going to get worse. Um, this also causes disruption in the food supply. Uh, historically, we know what happened back in 2010. Russia had some a drought. It had fires. Syria had a drought in its food growing regions starting about 2007. And by 2010, Russia came out. They, you know, the number one wheat exporter in the world, Ukraine's number five. Russia stopped wheat exports because they're going to take care of their own people. So that lessened the wheat available, mostly going into the Middle East. The, these, the, the Middle East imports almost everything. Egypt. Egypt imports almost everything. Saudi Arabia imports everything because they don't have arable land. 
Russia cut that off 2010. That led to a whole bunch of riots and disruption, and we call that the Arab Spring. Hmm. I think most people that are looking at it, Peter Zahn and others, George Friedman at Geopolitical Futures, are saying that this, what's going on now, is going to be worse. So I sent you a, a text. I texted to a friend who's a farmer, has a very large farm. Guy knows what he's doing. And he's just like, and I won't go through the details, but fertilizer in what they call inputs, fertilizer, fuel, uh, those type of things for the farm are skyrocketing in price. Hmm. Diesel's more than doubled. Uh, certain types of fertilizer are uh, more than tripled. Others are two and a half times. Some are four times what they were a year ago. So, so John- the result of that is here... Briefly, well, how does this affect farmers? We've just got two minutes left in this segment. How does this affect farmers? You you have a very uh, large farmer friend who uh, gave you some information on what's going on. Can yeah. you can kind of well, sum that what up? Happens is this, yeah, what happens this year is they're just not going to be able to put the inputs in. They're not going to use the fertilizer. It's probably not going to affect crop yields that much this year. Next year, it will have a huge impact. Mm. So when you talk to Peter Zahn, when he's talking about uh, he's out at a conference and it Iowa State University, and he's saying, listen, this year, we're going to have half a billion people worldwide in or on the absolute edge of famine. Next year, that number will triple. Wow. Well, listen, people go to war when, you know, you can do a lot of things. You, you can probably get by without a car. It's pretty difficult. You can't get by without food. Mm-hmm. And this is happening. So the inputs, the cost of farmers are going down. And so this, I don't know if this can have a huge impact in the United States, but you add in the supply chain problems and it's possible in the United States, we could manufacture the stuff, urea and that type of thing that we need for fertilizer, but we don't have the infrastructure anymore. So it takes a while to build that infrastructure back up. And we're just, we're on the edge of a very, very serious problem. I mean, I wish I could be, uh, have br- more happy news, but people need to take note of this because mm-hmm. this is real. Yes. This is happening. Yes. And of course, what's the solution? Always pointing them to the truth in the Bible and the hope in Jesus Christ. Right. When, when we run out of hope here, as far as what the world can offer, uh, we have to remind people and Christians are not, we are not given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. John, we've got to take another break already, but, um, I have an article here from the Epic Times on Bill Gates. Um, 13.5 million in farmland purchases. Um, North Dakota is one of those states that apparently is pushing back. Um, you know, not a lot of people are believing that, that Gates is buying up all this farmland. Maybe we can talk about that, but we do need to talk about the airline pilot shortage and why that's happening and a little bit more about Israel. So much more with John Haller when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So Bill Gates purchasing farmland. Is it a big deal? Is it going to make a difference? And why? He was recently asked uh, by one Reddit user, why are you buying so much farmland? And he said, my investment group chose to do this. It is not connected to climate and uh, so the agriculture sec- tech sector is important. But, John Haller, you seem to indicate that it's not a significant amount, even though you you think, wow, anyone that owns as much as he does. So just briefly your thoughts on that. Look, I, I've known personally known farmers that own eight or 10,000 acre farms out in Iowa. So it, he owns right now, by most estimates, his group, his investment group, controls about 300,000 acres. Five years ago, when I was working on a farm case uh, with the farmer that I referenced uh, earlier, um, we knew that Gates was buying up. He had bought up somewhere up to maybe 50,000 acres here in the Columbus, Ohio area mm-hmm. uh, within a 30-minute drive because it's good farmland. So he, so, but he owns 300,000 acres, and that sounds like a lot, and he is the largest individual farm owner in the country. But put it in perspective, in the United States, yes. there's 919 million acres of farmland, which means 300,000 acres, while big, is 0.03%. I think what's more concerning is that he is the majority shareholder, or the largest shareholder, I believe, of John Deere, at least through his investment group. And 
the prices there are going through the roof. First, you can't get parts to repair old equipment. To go buy new equipment, a soybean planter without all the things that you need to go along with it, like some extra trackers and stuff, is now $750,000 for one soybean planter. Wow. Process that. And so at some point, the farmers just say, it's not worth the economic risk to write all these checks. I can, I can have a very big garden at home and raise, you know, I own a lot of land, but it's not worth the economic. I can go bankrupt in a heartbeat mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do this next year. So now we let's go to the other thing that's going on is the airlines. There were hundreds and hundreds of flights canceled. I mean, Pam and I sit down and talk about, I've got a lot of points on a couple airlines that I could fly for a lot of places for a while, <laughs> but we just don't do it because everybody we talk to, it's a hassle. It's like an yep. extra day or two wow. or more in traveling and part. And what's going on with this? Well, the airlines came out and they gave a lot of people during the COVID thing, there was a downturn. So they paid people to retire early. So they retired early. Then they instituted the vaccine mandates for airline employees And so the pilots, a lot of them did not want to get them because they were concerned about the risk of the vaccine and what they saw happening to other people. And they have to go through a very rigorous medical review thing to keep their their flying license. So they just, they quit. I mean, I know a lot of pilots who just, they just said, I'm done with it. Well, now they don't have enough pilots. Layer that on top of the demographic thing. It takes a while to, um, you know, um, train a pilot. You don't, you don't go down to the temporary workers, like where they, they have the temporary day workers mm-hmm. where they get them to go collect, uh, garbage, I guess is the, you know, I've represented people in the in the, that do that kind of work. They temporary employees for all these big companies like Rumpke and others. Well, you don't do that for pilots. You don't, you don't go down to the temporary worker agency and say, hey, anybody want to fly a plane today? You just don't do that. And so now they can't keep up and it's affecting air traffic controllers. There's flight centers that don't have enough people showing up. So they can't handle as many flights in the air. And Uh, everything I look at says that this problem is going to continue for years. Okay. I I know Uh, John really quick. I want to ask you something about that. We, we read an article uh, recently that says the training. Now you don't have to go through as much training if you want to be a pilot. So they're, I mean, they're really dropping the requirements and I've got this article that says 5,000 flights were canceled. Now, this is going back to Memorial Day weekend. We'll get the numbers from the 4th of July weekend eventually, I'm sure. But Memorial Day weekend, 5,000 flights were canceled, and industry expert blamed it on worker and pilot shortages. So is this right. – yeah, you say this is going to get – I don't understand how it could get better at this point without what they're doing. They're They're lessening the requirements for – Pilots, which is not a good, good plan. But your thoughts on that? It, it's such a strange world because everywhere I go is a help wanted sign. Mm-hmm. Everywhere I go, yes. I mean, that may golf course, restaurant, it, everywhere is a help wanted sign. But the economy is not doing well, you know. So it's it's kind of this weird thing. It's like all these people are working and prices are going through the roof. I mean, I I've noticed it. You know, I've I've noticed things that I I do the shopping. It's up 40%, mm-hmm. some items, like mm-hmm. a head of lettuce. That adds up over time. So, and we just don't have the people to do it. I want to make this in page 195 of Klaus Schwab's book, the Great COVID-19, The Great Reset, mm-hmm. said this. He talked about the cascading effect that happens as we do these shutdowns and lockdowns. And on page 195, it says, airports face the same challenges as airlines. The less people fly, the less they transit via airports. This in turn affects the level of consumption in the various shops and restaurants that make up the ecosystem of all international airports throughout the world. Furthermore, the experience of airports in a post-COVID-19 world involving longer waiting times, highly restricted or even no hand luggage, and other potentially inconvenient social distancing measures, and I might add, thousands of flights canceled all over the world. This is happening in Europe as well. People will just say, I'm not going to fly anymore. Hmm. Well, that has an economic impact. But then people are tired of being pinned up and they want to. It's just it's just this crazy cascading thing where everything affects everything else. And so the question becomes, was it planned Did they do this? Is it just chaos? Is, is it kind of this chaos coming because of God's judgment? I think 
we have to be careful saying that everything that happens bad is planned and controlled by somebody. We need to factor in the fact that God may be judging the world for the nonsense yeah. and evil things that are going on. And we need to factor that into the, to the, yes. I'm not saying that people don't plan this, but I'm also saying is God is in control and so, he's going to let some of these things happen in the end time. So it's either his sovereignty or his judgment, but John have any media outlets, or I should say have mainstream media or the big media outlets, have any of them made in any connection at all uh, with the COVID jab, the vaccine and the pilots, um, injuries that said pilots injured by COVID vaccines will never fly again. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of alternative press making that connection. There's uh, people like Amy Wolf is heading up a dailyclout.io, uh, is heading up a review of Pfizer documents and vaccine injuries. And listen, I mean, I've talked to have a friend. His daughter, she's in her 40s. He, she got the vaccine. Okay. She's healthy. She's a runner. She's had, she's had had veins removed in her legs because of blood clots. Wow. After she got the vaccine. Wow. She can't run anymore. I, I have another close friend whose daughter in law was a school teacher, had to get the vaccine in a state on the East Coast. And she's disabled now. She cannot take care of her 10 and 12 year old children. Mm. She's disabled, neurological problems. And the word is, she, finally they said, after months of testing, yeah, it's probably a vaccine injury, and um, you're probably not going to get better. Wow. Wow, that's so sad. We, we do this. So, I, so it's going on, um, whether yeah. some people believe it or not, and depending on what media outlets you, you trust and uh, what worldview you hold. But let's move on to Israel, John. We've got six minutes left. Six and a half okay. minutes, roughly. And let's get back to that. You mentioned a war between the wars. Uh, right. Israel is conducting raids into Syria. Um, Russia is warning Israel to stop. And things are just ramping up, as they have been. It seems like this this is not new news. But give us an update on your thoughts on that. Well, it's, it's, it is. It, some things have changed recently. So uh, at the time, he was the prime minister of Israel. He's now not the prime minister. This is things change in two weeks. Naftali Bennett came out and made an announcement that Israel is going to adopt a thing called the octopus doctrine with respect to how they deal with Iran, that they were before they had been, you know, attacking the tentacles, the Iranian proxies in Syria and Lebanon and elsewhere. Now they're going to the heart of it. And what happened and after that, there has been a huge ramp up of these people associated with the Iranian Revolutionary Guard who kind of run the military stuff and, and security and spying and all this other stuff in Iran. They, they're having bad luck. I mean, a couple of them have fallen off buildings. Uh, they even uh, got rid of the spy chief, Iran. And it's clear that somebody's doing this, and the obvious conclusion is that this is Israel. There have been a lot of plants. There was one, uh, there's a, uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard installations around Tehran. One of them about a week and a half ago was hit. Uh, that appeared in some of the press. It didn't make a lot of the press clear that this it was a drone attack. In fact, this one was interesting. They're just a few miles west of downtown Tehran. Mm -hmm. These drones were assembled in Iran within six miles of the where it was attacked by someone. <laughs> wow. And they flew. So now the response has been, you know, so now Iran has tried to take out some tourists and uh, diplomats in uh Turkey and the Turkish government stepped in uh, and stopped that. But there, there continued to be attacks. There were some more attacks in Syria over the past just couple days of Iranian targets by Israel. And Russia came out. This is the second time they've come out and said, you need to stop this. We are not going to tolerate this anymore. In Russia, uh, they took out some air defense batteries and that type of thing, which means that taking out air defense batteries because they have plans to do more air attacks. Russia's getting upset. Hmm. Uh, Russia has kind of upped its presence there. There's also this interesting thing going off. Israel has a lot of natural gas out in the Mediterranean. They brought in a big drilling ship up through the Suez Canal. Hezbollah sent unarmed drones out towards that facility the other day to make 
a statement. Israel, we are watching. We can do this. We can launch drones. We can attack your gas uh, facilities that generate a lot of money for you. In fact, Israel and the European uh, Union have entered into a memorandum of understanding where Israel is going to be supplying gas to Europe. But part of that, because Russia is either Europe won't buy gas from Russia or Russia doesn't want to sell it to them. Russia's selling it elsewhere. We're trying to do liquefied natural gas to Europe, but we had a, a explosion at a facility outside of Houston that put that down. So now Europe has gone to Russia or to Israel. And so we want your gas. Hmm. The problem is that it's going to take a while to get the infrastructure built to do that. So we're going to be in a very, very, Weird winter. Weird is the best description of it. Hamburg, Germany has now announced that they are going to start now. This is in the summer. They're going to start rationing hot water. Wow. Right now. They're starting because now. Because they don't okay. have the energy to produce the energy to produce the, uh, um, produce the, the hot water, the water. So they're, the water. they're looking ahead. I, Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I should mention this, the CERN facility in Switzerland, which mm-hmm. draws a huge amount of power, that big collider. Yeah. They're firing that up today. Oh my and goodness. so there's a lot of concern that people that, you know, they're trying to open these portals and that type of thing. I don't know exactly what all is going on, but it's something that needs to be watched. And of course, outside CERN is the statue of Shiva, the mm-hmm. Hindu goddess. That's right. That's right. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's it, it's so hard. So Israel is in this thing right now to summarize in what they call the war between the wars. There is a war coming hmm. with Iran. And I think that will happen because we when we read Ezekiel 38 and 39, there seems to be peace and security. So you have all these things with the Abraham Accords. You have the Abrahamic house, family house in Dubai that's going to open this summer, the Christian Judaism and, and Islam. An interesting thing is there was a group of Jewish uh, religion people, rabbis and others, mm-hmm. who were recently granted access by the crown prince of Saudi Arabia to visit the Prophet's Mosque in Medina. That has been a closed city for a very, very long time. They are allowing Jews to come to visit the Prophet's Mosque in Saudi Arabia. Huh. There is a coming together of these world religions, and we see it happening on many levels, and particularly through these Abraham Accords. Yes, we do. John Haller, thank you so much for all the research you do. It's, it's, uh, we're almost out of time. Um, by the way, I, I tried to click on a Jerusalem Post article, and I was warned by my uh, uh, laptop security, it's not a safe site, right? The Jerusalem Post. <laughs> so, for crying yeah, out I know. Right. Hey, John, thank I've you so much. I've been noticing this a lot, too. Yep. We will talk to you again and get caught up even more. But God bless you and all that you do, brother. Stay strong. Thank you, David. All right, friends. Coming up tomorrow, we'll hear from Ray Comfort of Living Waters Ministries. Thursday, Cheryl Chumley, Washington Times journalist. She's got a new book out. Dr. Patrick Flynn of The Wellness Way on Friday. Let's jump ahead to next week. Jim Fletcher, Alex Newman, and Heidi St. John. Um, Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.